Part three, chapter seventeen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Dole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter seventeen. Following Prince Andrei's example, Boris came and invited Natasha to dance with him. Also, the master of ceremonies who had opened the ball and several other young men. And Natasha, turning her superfluity of partners over to Sonya, flushed and beamed with delight and did not miss a single dance throughout the rest of the evening. She did not notice, and she did not heed the incidents that attracted the attention of everybody else at the ball. She did not once remark how the emperor had a long conversation with the French ambassador, or how he showed signal favor to a certain lady who was present, or how the European prince so-and-so, and so-and-so, said and did this, that, and the other, or how Ellen enjoyed a brilliant success and attracted the special attention of such and such a person. She did not even see the sovereign, and only once noticed that he had withdrawn by the fact that after his departure the ball became livelier than ever. Just before supper Prince Andrei danced one of the jolliest of cotillions with Natasha. He took occasion to remind her of their first meeting, on the Otradnoya driveway, and how she could not go to sleep that moonlight night, and how he had involuntarily overheard what she said. Natasha blushed at this reminiscence, and tried to excuse herself, as though it were something of which she ought to be ashamed, that Prince Andrei had accidentally overheard her. Prince Andrei, like all men who have grown up in society, liked to meet anyone who was free from the stereotyped imprint of fashionable high life, and such a person was Natasha, with her naive astonishment, her enjoyment, and her modesty, and even her mistakes in speaking French. He treated her, and spoke to her, with a peculiar delicacy and affectionate courtesy. As he sat next to her, talking upon the simplest and most insignificant topics, Prince Andrei admired the radiant gleam in her eyes, and her smile, answering not what was said to her so much as to her inward happiness. If, by chance, Natasha were invited to dance, and got up with a smile, and went flying across the room, Prince Andrei found a special delight in watching her fawn-like grace. In the midst of the cotillion, Natasha, having just danced out one figure, came back to her place with a long sigh, all out of breath. A new cavalier again invited her out. She stood up panting and was apparently on the point of refusing, but instantly placed her hand on the cavalier's shoulder and gave Prince Andrei a smile. "'I should very much like to get my breath and sit with you. I am tired, but you see how I am in demand, and that pleases me, and I am happy, and I love you all.' and you and I understand it all. This, and much more besides, this smile of hers seemed to say. When her partner brought her back, Natasha chasseed across the room to choose two ladies for the figure. If she speaks to her cousin first, and then to the other lady, she shall be my wife, said Prince Andrei, unexpectedly even to himself, as he followed her. She went to her cousin first. What nonsense sometimes enters one's head, thought Prince Andrei, but it is quite evident that this maiden is so sweet and so unlike anybody else that she won't be kept dancing here for a month. She'll be engaged or married. There's no one like her here, he thought, as Natasha, smoothing out the petals of a rose in her corsage that had been crushed, came back and resumed her place next to him. At the end of the cotillion, the old count, in his blue coat, came up to the dancers. He invited Prince Andrei to call and see them, and he asked his daughter if she had been having a good time. Natasha at first did not reply, except by a smile, which had a sort of reproach in it, as much as to say, 
how can you ask such a question the jolliest time i ever had in my life said she and prince andrei noticed how she made a quick motion to raise her slender arms as if to embrace her father and instantly dropped them again natasha was happier than she had ever been in her life before she had reached that lofty height of bliss when a person becomes perfectly good and lovely and cannot believe in the existence or possibility of wickedness unhappiness and sorrow pierre at this ball for the first time had a realizing sense of the false position in which he was placed by the status occupied by his wife in court society he was morose and in despair a deep frown furrowed his brow and as he stood by the window he glared through his spectacles and yet saw nothing natasha as she went down to supper passed by him his gloomy unhappy face struck her she paused in front of him she felt a desire to help him to share with him the superfluity of her own happiness how jolly is it count said she isn't it pierre gave her a distracted smile evidently not understanding what she said yes i am very glad he replied how can any one be dissatisfied with anything wondered natasha especially such a good fellow as at Buzakoy. in natasha's eyes all who were at the ball were alike good sweet lovely men full of affection toward each other hatred was out of the question and therefore all ought to be happy. End of chapter 17